you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out and let's get cooking. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We're breaking down the NFL draft. We're talking Nick Sirianni and his love of rock, paper, scissors, as well as a little bit of UFC, a little bit of Major League Baseball, and we're ordering up our favorite hockey movies of all time. But first, a little cleanup on Isle National League West. A little bit of bookkeeping snafus and a major shakeup in the front office of the Colorado Rockies. Jeff Bridich, 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 whatever the fuck your name is, you are gone as the GM of the Colorado Rockies. You were entrusted with tearing this baby down, and boy, did you. Trading Troy Tulowitzki to the Blue Jays. Signing Nolan Arenado to that monster contract and then dealing him off for 10 cents on the dollar. The Fool's Gold of 2017 and 2018 back-to-back playoff appearances. Granted, it's a wonderful achievement, but you tanked the franchise and now it is up to the owner to find somebody to kind of clean up your mess. And as far as the bookkeeping goes... What the hell was that deal with Arizona and Atlanta in game two of that doubleheader? So I just want to make sure I got this straight. If it's a seven-inning game and you pitch seven innings, you're credited with a complete game. If it's a seven-inning game and you're credited and you don't allow a run, you're credited with a shutout. But if you pitch seven innings, and the game is only going seven innings. You don't get a no-hitter. You don't get a perfect game. Something just is not right there. Madison Bumgarner went the distance in the game. Seven innings, seven strikeouts, no runs, no hits. And he gets a notable achievement listed next to his name instead of 
his rightful no-hitter. And I got a newsflash for you, Major League Baseball. You got some splaining to do. How, how, how in a game that is only going to be scheduled for seven innings is not a range-shortened game. This has been written into the rules. This is now the length of the games for doubleheaders. You need to bookkeep accordingly. And we're pulling a little sneaky on you today, guys. D is off trying out for the San Francisco 49ers. He might be the number three overall pick tomorrow night. You never know. But we have someone someone special lined up for you today. He is geeked up on margaritas and ice cream. Mike L. Chi-Town Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? Anthony, what's good, dude? Living the dream, brother. Living the dream. So what do you think about this? Is... A seven-inning no-hitter in a seven-inning game, a no-hitter. Oh, baby. I just joined the Rob Ranford is a piece of shit podcast, and I'm ready. I'm in. Oh, good. We have T-shirts and everything. That's perfect. I cannot believe that that kind of nonsense is going to be allowed or tolerated, but I have a feeling that in the future, things are going to change, but maybe not... Maybe not right now, but in the future for sure. And as far as the Colorado Rockies go, like nowhere but up, right? Yeah. Um, all the all these contracts that they're dealing, signing, cutting they they, they barely they barely make sense. But uh, I'm it's not surprising the GM's gone. But the mess he left them is years away from being solvable. Yeah, just trying to watch them. It's painful, but I mean, they have a couple of players, but not enough for a significant bright spot. Oh, I want to bring up one thing. I was hearing some hysterical scenarios of how uh, Madison Bumgarner could have gotten the no hitter. It involved walking every consecutive batter for three innings with and scoring enough runs to win the game but not to give up a no-hitter. And there were – what was the other scenario? It was walks and I think trying to extend the game by another circumstance, but they were hysterical because MLB really, really dropped the ball on that and not – this. it's it's all about scoring the game, seven innings, no hits. It should be a no-hitter. It's that simple, but why would it be simple with the MLB? No, well – I mean, what do you what do you expect from a league that their answer to extra inning games to place a runner on second base and it's a ghost runner. So it doesn't count against the earn run average of the pitcher if they give up the run. But uh, what? Like they have a major bookkeeping problem. And that's funny considering the fact that stat nerds have taken over that game. And stats and bookkeeping are their major problem right now. It's kind of funny. And is the ball juiced? What is what is the ball this year? What are the stats going to look like at the end of the year? It all could be interesting. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, we've already had three no-hitters, and we're not even out of April yet. So that is, <laughs> you know, what does that tell you about the situation, the offensive situation in baseball? You have the three true outcomes, and everybody is swinging for the fence. Jacob DeGrom, I think, has fanned his 50th guy this year already. I think it's his fifth start, and he has 50 strikeouts. I mean, we are are we witnessing the, the new year of the pitcher, or is it just a bunch of mediocre hitters? 
No, we've seen this before. You've seen this before, too, in your lifetime, where the pitchers come out strong and ready for the season and the batters catch up by May and June and they start performing. Right around the All-Star break, they start performing. But we'll see what the balance is this year. It'll, it'll show itself soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're definitely, you know, we're definitely putting the card a little bit before the horse here. And it's always that case where pitchers are coming at a, at a spring training a little bit ahead of the hitters. But, you know, it remains to be seen, like, how dominant the pitchers are going to be and what is going to happen before they really start to catch up. Hell yeah. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. So, Mike, uh, you feeling a draft? Because tomorrow we have the NFL draft from Cleveland. Jacksonville owns the number one pick. And are you ready to give us your top five? So here's how I'm thinking this would go. We'll go back and forth. I have the draft sound music, and we can do it that way. How, how's that sound to you? Bring it on. I got right. my T-shirt ready for tomorrow night. It's cleaned. It's ready. It's ready for chicken wing sauce to be all over it. I can't Love wait. It. Loving it. You a buffalo wing guy or you uh, or you barbecue? Buffalo all day. Blue nice. cheese dressing on the side for me, though. Ooh, okay. All right. I'm more of a purist myself. I don't even go for any sauce, but here we go. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock for you. Who are they taking? Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. I got to agree on this one. It, you know, it is the worst kept secret in football that Trevor Lawrence is going number one. It, it hasn't even been, it hasn't been in doubt for months. It's crazy. Hopefully, They've done enough to protect him, and hopefully they're going to take some linemen in this draft as well as some skill position players to set this kid up for success because like, he's been a Jaguar since, what, game one last year with Clemson? Like, you might say to... high school, senior year, he's been ready as the one. This is crazy. Have you you've heard the statistic? Outside, he has not lost a regular season football game since before high school. That is incomprehensible to me. Like I, I believe Joe Burrow lost two games. He's not far away. They have some crazy record together. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. But hey, Trev, get used to losing, buddy. I'm just (laughs) saying. Eat the L's. You're gonna eat them. Eat them straight up. No blue cheese, no ranch. Just just take it like a man. <laughs> yeah, Jameis Winston will teach you how to eat the L's. <laughs> Next up on the clock, the New York Jets. Trade. Oh, okay. What do you got? What do you got? Uh-huh. The entire franchise for four dollars and fifty five cents from <laughs> from a return a bottle return from the New York Giants. Oh my God! Even um, that might be too high. Zach Wilson, Todd McShay dropped a bombshell that he they have Zach Wilson as an auto lock at two. 
either this is a smoke screen or things got out of the building for the Jets. So Zach Wilson, expect him to go two overall or the Jets trade out. And I don't know to whom or what yet, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised if either happened. Well, that's the thing. The Jets need a quarterback. They need line help. They can use skill position help. They can use defensive help. Uh, I think that's everybody. I think they're solid at kicker and uh, punter. I think they're good. I think that's the only part where they're actually good. Now, they may, they may be trying to play chicken with the Niners here, just trying to figure out who their guy is because we all know that Trevor Lawrence is going number one. So at that point, you know, are you doing Wilson? Is it Jones? Is it Lance? Is it Fields? Is it uh, Trask? Is it the quarterback from, I think it's Texas A&M, who's being rumored to be a late-round, first-round pick? Is, you know, trying to predict what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch is going to do is not the way you build your team. So you should be taking your best player available on your board. And if that's Zach Wilson, then you should take Zach Wilson. If I was the GM, if I'm Joe Douglas, I am taking Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama. He is the most ready to go. And I think that he would give the team an instant spark that could possibly propel them out of the cellar. Who knows? Wow. You are – you have just – disrupted the Patriots draft, the 49ers draft, if you're taking Mac Jones with the Jets, I mean, you've just disrupted a bunch of draft boards right away with that with that call right there, Anthony. Uh, well, you know, that's the thing. It's just that I'm I'm not trying to predict what other people are going to do. I am I'm doing what's best for me. At the end of the day, I feel that Jones is the best for me and my team at this moment in this time. And if San Francisco, like, like D mentioned last week, if they're laughing at you, you lost. But I think that they won't be laughing with this pick. They're going to be saying, who's laughing now? Doesn't if- Mac Jones, though, like kind of give you that uh, John Elway vibe? John, I mean, he definitely – he has – he doesn't have as much mobility as John Elway, but the kid's got an arm. The kid's got leadership capability, and he can play. You know, he definitely can play. And I think that's going to be – if it's a positive player comp to, to John Elway. No, I'm, no. Worse, worse than that, a type of QB that John Elway would draft. Oh. Yeah, you, you went too meta there. I don't know about that. I, I don't know if John Elway would draft. A, I mean, he's drafted so many. Like, it's hard to say. I mean, is he Paxton Lynch? Is he Drew Locke? He just <laughs> traded He just traded for Teddy Bridgewater today. Like, yes. I mean, sixth-round pick. Dean and I were talking about this before, before he got on the plane. He's like, the Jets couldn't give up a sixth-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater? They had him already. They already had him. And they dealt, right. him off, they dealt him off to New Orleans. So clearly, they don't like Teddy as much as we like Teddy. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, trying to Again, another guy. Trying to predict what John Elway is going to do is a recipe for disaster. So I'm just doing me if I'm the Jets, and I'm taking the guy I think who's, is going to do that. And that for me, that's Mac Jones. Now, speaking of the Niners, they are up at number three. 
Mac Jones is off the board. So, Zach Wilson is now being drafted by the 49ers. There you go. All right. So, you you see them really going for a mobile more mobile quarterback. You really like even though it's small school BYU, not a great conference, not, you know, great competition, you really think he can play in this league? I do. That's fair enough. You know, if that's your guy, for sure. For me, I'm looking at the Niners, right? I see Kittle. I see Ayuk. I see Mostert. I see that the defense. Like, I believe that this team is a, a team ready to make the ascension back. Let's not forget, they were not so far removed from the Super Bowl. And they had a lead in that Super Bowl. So let's not... Let's not say that this team is falling off a cliff that quickly. Is Jimmy Garoppolo durable? No. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the most durable quarterback in the world. But I think there are weapons there. Jimmy Garoppolo has enough talent that you can win with him if you protect him. And that is why. And this may floor you. This may floor everybody who's listening. I don't care. Panay Sewell offensive lineman is going to the San Francisco 49ers. Dude, what? Where, wow. You are you are shocking me left and right with these picks tonight. 6 6 6330 best lineman in the draft. I'm making one more run if I'm San Francisco and I'm I'm keeping Jimmy G at least for the start of the season. If it bottoms out and it's not what you think, then you can trade Jimmy G. You, chances are, if it bottomed out, you'll probably be in the same position next year, and you could probably draft a quarterback then. But give it one more go. You you have the horses. You just need to keep the quarterback healthy, and I think the lineman is going to do that. Yeah, but the big issue last season was every weapon was hurt offensively, tight ends, receivers, running backs, either at the same time or over the course of the last five, six games, that team was destroyed. Whoever the strength and conditioning coach is, get them, get them, uh, get a new one or figure out what happened because everybody broke down at the same time. I agree. It's definitely something that needs to be concerned, but that, you know, you do have to remember, like everybody needs to remember they were in the Super Bowl. They were winning in that Super Bowl and they took, they took their foot off the gas pedal. Now health, it's bound to happen. Those things happen. Like, I don't think, I think it was more of a fluky kind of year than a sign that, you know, the sky is falling. But that's just me. Like, yeah, yeah. You're pro- you have a point. Number four, speaking of the sky is falling, 28 to three, anybody? The Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. Kyle Pitts. Florida tight end. Oh, okay. So you're going to give it one more run with Matt and Julio? Yeah, let's get him a weapon. Let's throw down the field. And let's see if Matt Ryan's arm falls off from injury or from overthrowing the football. There you go. And what do you think about these rumors that, uh, A, that the number four pick might be in play, and, B, that Julio Jones might also be in play? Like, What do you think of these rumors that are going down the mill? I love it. I love a good smoke screen right at the 
the 23rd hour. I love it. Let's see. I can't wait. That's going to be a fun pick. I agree. I mean, the, the Falcons, I am not the biggest Matt Ryan fan in the world. For those of you that follow the program, you guys already know this. I thought and D thought, we, we both agreed, actually, that Julio Jones would be a Baltimore Raven this year. So, I mean, you probably could still do something like that, but you got to give it a little bit of time. Um, if you are running with Matt Ryan, you're loading up on weapons. Offensively, they definitely have players. I mean, they have Hayden Hurst, Julio Jones, Gage, Ridley. They can use a little bit more in the backfield because, I mean, Todd Gurley didn't give you that much last year. He was also hurt as usual. Um, defense is definitely where this team struggles. It's If you are keeping this pick, I would go for defensive need because this team has plenty of offensive weapons right now. So if I'm the GM, I'm taking Micah Parsons of Penn State. Best defensive player available. Okay. I didn't know this was a hot take first five picks. I went in with a mock five picks, but I have other players I like, but they are not top five potential. You are absolutely flooring me with your picks tonight. I love it. I'm going on best player available based on need. And I don't see Kyle Pitts as a need. I see Kyle Pitts as a luxury for them. I mean, it's a great pick if they decide to go with Kyle Pitts. He's talented to be sure. But I think for that team, there are so many other needs that tight end isn't one of them. Fine. Then if we are going by that logic, not best player, but by needs for the team, Patrick Sertan would be an excellent mm. pick for the Falcons. And it's in my write-up, but we're going we're going crazy uh, scenarios right now. So I like I like where you're at and I'll match you. There we go. Patrick Sertan. So you're taking him away from the Cowboys, is what you're saying. I am, if we're going by best player available. There we Posi- go. Positionally or needs wise. There we go. And that leaves us with number five in our top five, the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals select Jamar Chase, LSU. Really? So yeah. so the offensive line on that team doesn't scare you. You want to add up on weapons for Joe Burrow. Let's, let's get Joe some more injuries. You want to str- you hate this guy. You want to see him dead. Like that's no, crazy. I, you stole <laughs> you stole my line my offensive uh tackle earlier by taking you take the, who you the want, third baby. pick. This is, this is your no. mock draft. That's your version of the mock draft. You take whoever you want, man. I'm Don't... teasing. This is I know, complete, I know I'm messing with you too. It's a spoof, but yeah, I would take the offensive tackles automatic. You need Joe to stand up upright and look downfield. And not be worried about where his knee is, where his knee just went to in his body. He has to look <laughs> downfield. I think it's somewhere near his throat now. But did you see that scar, that gnarly scar <laughs> on his knee? Oh my god! Yeah, the the uniforms are sick, but that scar was just friggin' oh my god! And all yeah. they care about is launching that new uniform, dude. Get your quarterback some friggin' help. They just declined the fifth year option on their center too, who is uh, the rookie. So they definitely need some offensive line help. Uh, They hoped that uh, I think Jonah Williams, Jonah Williams got hurt. 
So hopefully uh, he'll have a resurgent year next year. But for me, I'm taking Rashawn Slater, offensive lineman from Northwestern. I think big, beefy guy, 6'4", 315. He's definitely going to help in the run game. He's going to help in the pass game. And most importantly, he's going to keep Joe Burrow from leaving on a stretcher. I agree. And they should have been in the Orlando Brown sweepstakes as well. Yeah, Orlando Brown somehow gets traded from the Baltimore Ravens to the Kansas City Chiefs. So as far as that goes, there are multiple picks, nothing nothing to speak of in terms of first-rounders, nothing like super heavy. You get a first-round pick but and three other ones in exchange for an all-pro tackle. You get the 31st in this year's draft. You get a third-rounder and a fourth-rounder and a fifth in 2022. Like, is this is this the the linchpin of the def- of the offensive line now? Because they added Joe Tooney, they added to this. Is does this complete the Chiefs' offensive line in your opinion? No, these guys are all on one-year deals. Kyle Long is out of retirement. You uh, are you are renting a car that has four wheels to start the season, and it may not have four wheels when you end the season. This line was gutted like a sushi chef cutting through sashimi. Oh, my goodness. And totally got exposed in the Super Bowl. You mean Schwartz was out. Fisher was out. Duvardi Tardif didn't play the entire year. He's not playing again this year because he's, you know, he's taken up medical residency in Canada. (laughs) That guy. Yeah, that guy. I mean, mean, good for you, Doc. I appreciate what you're doing, but, you know. Like, Good news the, for the Chiefs, there's more than one round to draft in the NFL draft. So expect them to take offensive line talent throughout the draft, trade around, move up, move down. They're going to be taking a couple guys just to have um, monsters waiting in the sidelines for their, their time to get in. No, they're definitely going to get their opportunities. And regardless of the rounds, they're, they're going to find some talent there. And you know how cutdowns go as the as camp goes through. Veterans don't make the team. You might be able to build a patchwork offensive line that can be anchored by Brown and Tooney to the point where I mean Patrick Mahomes will be running for his life again. So hopefully like they'll be able to kind of address this. But where are you from the Ravens perspective on this? Like I I have the asset. Like I don't know how I feel trading with a team that I'm perennially going up against in the playoffs. They're desperate. They are desperate for cap for cap space and they're desperate for picks because they had went the veteran route for a while and their receivers and their weapons. And Lamar was looking around like, this is it. This is the best team you can give me. And now they realized it and they're working backwards. Well, there you go. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, there's the, they're not the only team in that division salary cap hell too. So the Steelers are definitely in that boat as well. Maybe a little bit more drastically than the, uh, than the Baltimore Ravens, but uh, I don't know. I think this move is definitely going to bite them in the ass for sure. Wait, I want to go back to the Ravens for a second with that yeah. trade that you and D suggested. Uh-huh. 
How many more veterans are the Ravens going to get at receiver? If you said Julio's going there, didn't they have the Anquan Bolden like experiment? And isn't Arizona a great destination for all veteran receivers anyway? Well, the thing is with that is that you now have so many receivers in Arizona. Like you now have AJ Green with DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. It's it's becoming an embarrassment of riches. If I am the GM of the Ravens, like the Des the Des Bryant thing didn't work. Like we'll just cut their losses. The Des Bryant thing didn't work. Um, who is you? I mean, who is your most explosive receiver? Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown has proven that he can be a number one in this league. So if I'm them, why not? See, at least call the Falcons. You know, shoot your shot, man. Like, what's it going to take to get an aging Julio Jones on this team? Who has the capital? Well, we know who has draft capital right now. Who's sitting in the catbird seat? You have the Lions at seven and the Panthers at eight. They are both open for business on their first-round picks, particularly particularly for teams that are starved at quarterback. So who do you see trading up and to which spot? So this is a tough one. You see, trading up, this is the ideal candidate is – it really is the Patriots if they're targeting a QB like Justin Fields or Mac mm. Jones, depending on where they go. Um, but Panthers are the craziest scenario again because they move Teddy mm-hmm. and they have Sam on standby. I don't know why on earth they would move up any further unless they really love somebody. And David Tepper's nuts, and he'll do whatever it takes to get the guy he wants. So they could do anything. Right. And, you know, they could move out of that pick. They could move up. I mean, the Dolphins might want to move back out of six. So, I mean, they might be able to get up into there uh, if they believe that the Lions are – if the Lions are either going to keep the pick or they're going to deal it off to maybe like the Bears. Like, we all know that, you know, Andy Dalton is QB1 over there. Like, it, it – what more can you say about the Chicago Bears that has been said on this show? The GM's terrible. The coach is pretty me- mediocre, and if Andy Dalton is your number one quarterback, then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. So if I'm Ryan Pace, I'm doing what I can to get up into either the seventh or eighth spot. Now, it all depends on who I value and who's still available. For the Bears, I would think that Fields would be a good fit for them. He's just he's athletic enough. He's got a good arm. He can definitely stand in the pocket and throw. And I think that would be a good fit for them. They probably could get him at eight if they wanted to trade up to eight. But I don't know. It's gonna it remains to be seen. I don't see the Patriots trading up. That's just not their style. I see, I mean, they're at 15 right now. They can definitely dangle that pick to somebody who wants to move up from later in the round to maybe get like a maybe get somebody who's falling who's stock that they really like so the Patriots MO has always been to trade back and accrue more picks and I can see them possibly going for that Texas A&M quarterback or even Kyle Trask 
I think he would he could possibly be a fit for them at least as a project, uh, much in the way that Jared Stidham was for them as well. But um, as far as the Lions go, they could definitely move that pick. You have so many needs that you can definitely kind of dangle that. Maybe kind of scare the Cowboys into moving up if they really if Patrick Sertan is available and they think that he's going to be gone. Maybe they're, you know, maybe the, the Cowboys would be enticed to move up or say that there's Jamar Chase or somebody of that ilk that they can give Dak Prescott another weapon. I think they might be able to, you know, you put him with CeeDee Lamb, you put him with Amari Cooper, all of a sudden that that's starting to look really formidable. And I don't know if Jerry Jones can resist that. I agree. If the Lions don't trade out, who do you see them drafting? I don't see them taking a quarterback. I heard that yesterday. Um, honestly, I'm not really sure who, who I really can't envision it because the, the simple fact that they have so many needs, but being the lions, like I can definitely see them just punting and taking a skill position player. Cause they always take a skill position player, whether yep. that is, whether that's Devonte Smith or Waddle or if Pitts is there, I can see any of that uh, any of that scenario happening because the Lions are going to lie in at the end of the day. I agree. I expect to be gut punched if you're a Lions fan. Sorry, Detroit. We do love you, but based on who is in this draft in the first round and the talent that is accumulated, who do you see taking that Brady Quinn Aaron Rodgers drop? So. This is the year of Ohio State quarterbacks dropping, in my opinion. I want, I'm watching Fields moving down, taking that. If they got the cameras on him, he's got the sad face going and no hat on. That's very fair, considering the fact, you know, I mean, the history of Ohio State quarterbacks, not especially recent history, not great. You're looking at Haskins and Cardell Jones and Troy Smith and I think Craig Krenzel and you know you have so many mediocre Ohio State quarterbacks throughout draft history I mean that's all working against Justin Fields as well as that medical diagnosis of epilepsy that he's been dealing with throughout his high school and college career that I think is definitely going to be something that gives teams some pause but he has been able to manage it so I think I mean, he, he should be okay with that. For me, I think it's going to be Trey Lance, North Dakota State. I, I don't – I mean, he played one game last year. There's the Carson Wentz factor. He also went to North Dakota State. Granted, he is not as athletic as Trey Lance, but I'm not going to have enough tape on this guy to give an accurate assessment of his talent and capability. That scares the crap out of me. And that's not something that – I am going to gamble a first round pick on if I'm them, if I'm any NFL team, I can definitely see him dropping possibly to the first pick of the second round, or as kind of like a late round draft and stash kind of guy. I think that that definitely, he'll definitely drop into the twenties. Uh, but it remains to be seen where he ends up. Cause I mean, he's athletic enough that he could benefit any team, but he's a project. I have, yeah, I have two players that 
are likely to drop. One of them is the unlikely scenario, but it could happen. Mac Jones falling if he doesn't go early. It's one of those perfect scenarios where a certain team's looking for him. Everyone else is addressing different needs. Mac Jones just drops and drops and drops, like truly like what happened to Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the – it's definitely a possibility. Any one of these top quarterbacks, depending on if there are trades, if they're – you know, if they're player needs, if they, if the Falcons feel that they can win with Matt Ryan, quarterback's going to drop. If the Lions feel, if the Lions feel that they're going to go with Jared Goff and they're not going to take a quarterback, quarterback's going to drop. The Dolphins, they say they believe in Tua, so a quarterback's not going there. You're, you definitely have a lot of teams already set a quarterback, so it's definitely a possibility. And my outlier is Gregory Rousseau possibly slipping out of the first round altogether. Really? Yes. I've seen him linked to the Giants. So that, that's very that's very interesting. We've got to have some hot takes here, Anthony. You took all of them in the, the first uh, mock draft. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we, we welcome hot takes on this show, Mike. can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, speaking of hot takes gm jason liked of the tampa bay buccaneers i'm sorry the super bowl champion tampa bay buccaneers dropped a bombshell in a recent press conference insinuating that he may be in the market to draft a quarterback in this year's draft from his own lips, the quote is, you just want to make sure that you're not picking a quarterback just to pick a quarterback, end quote. You want everybody to be on board, and the guy's got to have the right mindset. He's got to be obviously talented and can throw the ball, and he's got to be somebody that will feel comfortable above the neck. There's always positives to drafting a quarterback if all those things align. Hearing that, and knowing Tom Brady, is this deja vu? Bullshit on drafting a quarterback this year. If there is no chance this dude takes a quarterback until the fifth, sixth, seventh round, wherever the hell they land, no way. Tommy needs his toys. They need defensive help to hold the opposition from scoring, which is how the games are won when you score less than your opponent. I mean, you got to win by scoring more than your opponent and let less points on the board. So, 
they got to have defensive address. And Antonio Brown, I don't know where he stands, but he may be out or may not be there. So they need some offensive help. And I don't see why they would take a quarterback anytime soon. Antonio Brown re-upped a one-year deal. So we are good on that. Um, They definitely can use some more weapons. They definitely can use some defensive help. But I can definitely see them taking a quarterback later on in the draft. Uh, If it's the third or fourth round and Kyle Trask is still on the board, I like him in that system. He's a drop-back passer, same as Tom Brady. He's got an arm. He's able to move the ball down the field, led the NCAA in touchdowns last year. I can definitely see that. And he's not an immediate threat to Tom Brady. I don't see it in the same light as Jimmy Garoppolo a few years back because Tom Brady – you know, he is getting longer in the tooth. Granted, he wants to play to 45, 46, but he's already in his 40s. He doesn't, if he has any hint of self-awareness, he's realizing that father time is closing in. And if I am Jason Light and I'm Arians and Byron Leftwich, I want to get a guy who's as close to Tom Brady as possible so they can run the exact same system. And to me, that's Kyle Trask. I don't think that the team will be set up for success in two years with the current system. If Evans is out and her or old and gone, this line's going to change over. I don't see a successful quarterback in that system in two years. I see a whole rebuild. I don't of the line, the system. I don't see it working with a Tom Brady like prototype. I don't see it. Well, we got to see how the how everything plays out. But speaking of playing, Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni was testing the competitiveness of draft prospects by challenging them, challenging them to a game of rock, paper, scissors. And what he was looking for was whether or not they talked trash to him as he was talking trash to them during the game in order to gauge their competitive spirit and fire and determination. Did the Eagles already regret hiring this guy? Short answer, yes. Didn't he say he was going to die for his players and his team? He might just die from being stupid. <laughs> he is an interesting fella, and you can tell that he is never he's never been in that position before to kind of to take on this role. It might be a little too much for him for him to chew on. It's very reminiscent to me of Josh McDaniels. Went from New England to Denver. He got the keys to the car, and he had no idea how to drive it in Denver. Alienating players and just, you know, drafting Tim Tebow, and, you know, decision after decision, and ultimately it blew up in his face to the point where he, I mean, that coupled with the Indianapolis decision to back out of the job pretty much sealed his fate. He's probably going to end up being a career coordinator. And this could very well be outside the box thinking. It certainly is outside the box thinking, but there's a reason why the box exists. Right. But like you are talking about the GM of the Eagles and the owner. And there are so many stories that came out over this offseason about the toxic environment that they have there, what they did to Doug Peterson, how they made his life hell, 
It is second to the Washington Football Club in toxicity. And we're talking about how the Eagles fans might handle having a coach like this guy underperform. I mean, they're probably right now getting their batteries, ice snowballs, and broken glass ready and stretching their arms out to start throwing and impaling this guy at the end of the season. At the end of the day, it looks bad now. It, all introductory press conferences and initial getting to know yous look bad. For Nick Sirianni, what he needs to do and what he needs to focus on is to make sure that Jalen Hurts is not only ready to play, but is ready to become a superstar. That is what they need to hang their hat on. They went all in on this guy. They canned Peterson for him. They traded Wentz for him. And you got to coach him up. You got to get him some wide receivers in this draft. You have to get him some playmakers. And you have to make sure this kid is ready for prime time. That is, if I'm Nick Sirianni, that is my only focus. I mean, you need to be the CEO of this team. But I'm definitely taking you I'm definitely taking more of a hands-on approach with Jalen Hurts. And if he does this and they perform, I'm not saying they have to to make the playoffs. Like that might be a, a an Eagles fan's expectations. But get me to get me to a respectable record. Get me to just on the outside looking in. Get me to that, and you've bought yourself some time. I think you bought yourself an Adam Gase light. Well, God help us all, because I, I don't think Adam Gase is getting another – well, who knows? Like, Adam Gase may very well get another shot, but God help us all. That's a sign <laughs> of the apocalypse, I think. You have you know rivers red with blood and Adam Gase getting another head coaching gig. If, I think Sirianni, so, yeah, whoever call, might, get a phone call from Peyton Manning, do not answer. Do not answer. Yes. So, what do you think about Sirianni? Good. I think that he is in over his head, and he may drown there. So, you, you think one and done? No, I don't think the Eagles would hire. Well, you know what? Actually, why not? Let's make it interesting. Yes, I'd be willing to wage a little bit that he doesn't make it out of the year. Mm, so you, I mean, the last time we saw one and done was with Arizona. So that's definitely, you know, they had a team that was a little bit closer, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this season goes. But he's, I can definitely see, I can definitely see a lot of pain for the Eagles. Swipe left. Or swipe right. All right, boys and girls, you know the rules. If we agree with the statement, we're swiping right. If we disagree with the statement, we are swiping left. Ready, Mike? Yes. Swipe left or swipe right. The Knicks have a good chance in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Go ahead. Swiping right. And slowly, though, because I like, I like what they're doing lately. They're on a tear. Nine, maybe ten games they won now. Is that right? 
Uh, nine of their last ten, they did lose to the Suns, but you lost to a better team, so like that's fine. And I think Tibbs could be coach of the year. I could definitely see that. That's for sure. Um, I'm going to swipe right on them as well. What concerns me, though, is that it's the Julius Randle show. He leads in most statistics, offensive and defensive statistics. Now, as a team, I like what I see for the most part. Points allowed. They are number one. They have allowed the fewest points in basketball. Rebounds, 45 and a half rebounds per game. You're looking at fifth in the NBA. Assists, that's troublesome. They are not distributing the ball well. They're averaging 21.3, which is 29th in the league, and they just don't score enough. So they're going to have to play nail-biter after nail-biter after nail-biter. That concerns me as you go through the playoffs as you progress through for the first round as of right now they would draw the Atlanta Hawks I could see them winning a round but then you start getting into the cream of the crop and I don't know if they have the offense to hang yeah I think they make it through one round when they get into the playoffs depending on who they face and that's it for this year but that is that is very nice, a big change, a nice – you nod your head to the Knicks. If you see them on the street, you say, nice job, man, and you look forward to next year as they grow. I like I, it. I agree, and as long as they don't do that nonsense that Isaiah Thomas did, welcome to the playoffs, you know, I'm good. You know, it's good to be a Knicks fan right now after taking all the slings and arrows and all of the nonsense of – the Phil Jackson era, whether it's Derek Fisher or, you know, all of the crap that came with that. It's nice to be Andy Dufresne crawling out of 500 yards of shit, smell, and foulness and being a free man on the other side. Still smell, though. Yeah, you smell, but winning is the best disinfectant. <laughs> Agreed. Swipe left or swipe right number two. Chris Weidman should continue his UFC career. I'm swiping left on this one. I think that after that horrific leg injury at UFC 261, very reminiscent of a leg kick check that broke Anderson Silva's leg when Weidman delivered that kick, I think that he should hang him up. Granted, he's 15 and 6, but... If you look at his record of late, it has not been impressive. After he won the title from Anderson Silva, he got Machida, he got his rematch with Silva, he got Belfort. The only notable fighter he's beaten is Kelvin Gastelum, and he beat him in the third round via submission. So that's fine. I mean, he's definitely, you know, as a wrestler, you may get caught. You're gonna, you know, rely on your grappling and your ground game. But let's look at it. Luke Rockhold, TKO, loss. Yoel Romero, KO, flying knee. Gegard Mousasi, one of my favorite fighters, super underrated fighter, TKO'd with knees. He lost to Jacare, KO punches. Dominic Reyes, KO, and then Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall almost killed a dude in his season of the Ultimate Fighter. He's a bad man. Uriah Hall is a bad, bad mamma jamma. 
TKO due to this gruesome leg injury, 17 seconds in. I don't want to see Chris Weidman fight anymore. All-American, call it a career. Wow. I did not know this was a UFC podcast. You are just surprising me left and right tonight. I'm multi-talented. I, I have many fa- there are many facets to my game, Mike. Fine. Um, but I am swiping left. And the best thing to come out of this fight, besides that horrific injury, was the Joe Rogan face that he made and the memes that have come out after it. <laughs> Oh, Joe Rogan. He, I mean, his face, like, he has no poker face. I want to play poker with Joe Rogan. It's just, it's amazing. Yes. But you got, but you have to make sure he's on DMT first. Oh, he will be. (laughs) And swipe left or swipe right. Number three, Kyle Higashioka will take Gary Sanchez's job. I am swiping right on this. For those of you that follow this show, you know how much D&Z cannot stand Gary Sanchez. It goes without saying. He cannot hit. He cannot catch. Cede your time to Kyle Higashioka. And Aaron Boone, he's, sen- he's seizing the moment. Garrett Cole pretty much only pitches to him. Only pitches to him. Corey Kluber had his best outing as a Yankee. Six and two-thirds, Higashioka was behind the plate. His pitch framing is much better. His caught stealing is much better. Granted, he's a career 201 hitter. He only has 219 career at-bats. So, as far as I'm concerned, what do you have to lose? Let him run him out there and just let it go as long as you can. He's got four homers this year. He's driven in six. He's got a 414 on base percentage and an 880 slugging. Ride the hot hand. Gary Sanchez, via con Dios. I could not agree more. I will join the Gary Sanchez has to sit on the bench uh, theme here. And I agree. I'm swiping right. This guy needs, Sanchez needs a sports psychologist to follow him around. And last year he hit. 147 and now he's hitting 182 how can you possibly be okay with that i mean last year was a disaster and he's slightly less shitty than last year the million dollar (laughs) question is what would george steinbrenner do that's the thing george steinbrenner i don't think george steinbrenner would have tendered him a contract That's the thing. They had their opportunity to be rid of him and they could have non-tendered him and they didn't do it. Why? Because they're hanging on to the two seasons where he was decent in hopes that maybe, just maybe, he can reclaim that form. What I see is a hitter who has made no adjustments, but the league has certainly made adjustments on him. And now he is so far up his own ass at the plate that it is in his it's in the field he was never that great to begin with and now he's even worse disaster disaster is putting it mildly but we will definitely take it are you in need of air care maintenance or service i have the company for you air care technicians 
They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Order up. All right, guys. The order up train for best sports movies continues. D's not here. Doesn't matter. Mike has his list. We are doing the best hockey movies from five to one. What are your criteria and who you got, Mike? Criteria is hockey scenes involved it has to have hockey scenes you can't have a hockey movie without true hockey scenes so i would say for five we're going mighty ducks two okay we got in the four slot goon Ooh, that's an underrated movie that is a very underrated movie three slot Mighty Ducks OG. Two slot. Miracle. Two. Correct. Oh, number... you, you thought I was Mr. Hot Take. I'm sorry. Number, like, I'm floored number, right now. Number one, slap shot. I knew one of us was going to have slap shot on the list. That's for sure. I mean, good quality list. I'm looking for story. I'm looking for hockey as well. It has to be represented well. For me, number five, the original Mighty Ducks. I didn't like it as much as most people did. It was very well done, but at the end of the day, like I didn't care for this one as much as my number four pick, which is D2, the Mighty Ducks. Yes, a, in my opinion, the sequel was a little bit better. And, you know, you have Keenan Thompson, the knuckle puck. You de- I mean, it resonated a little bit more then Mighty Ducks won, but you can't have one without the other. So if one's on the list, the other one has the list. And uh, we're not talking about the third one when they're in that prep school because that was friggin' awful. Trash. Absolute crap. Absolute crap. Whoever wrote that probably wrote The Scout, too. Number three, I have Slapshot. Slapshot is the OG of hockey movies. You have the McKenzie brothers. You have... Oh, excuse me, the Hanson Brothers. Oh, I don't know where that came from. But uh, Mackenzie Brothers, some Canadians. Anyway, um, the Hanson Brothers, Paul Newman in a sports movie. <laughs> I mean, really well done uh, as a over-the-hill kind of player. But you totally believed it, which is very interesting for Paul Newman. The best supporting actor in the movie is the dust that gets in the goalie's eyes. <laughs> but, you know, it definitely... It was definitely a slapstick movie. It got it got you, it got you going, got you laughing, and the the hockey scenes were good too. So you take it where you can. For me, number two, I got a soft spot for this movie, Mystery Alaska. You know the hockey scenes were decent. Russell Crowe was really good in it. Uh, ultimately, the Rangers won. So you take what you can get as a Ranger fan. So 
I'm definitely going to go with that. And for me, number one is Miracle. It's such an iconic movie. Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks was phenomenal. All of the the hockey scenes rang true. The story, I mean, how can you not? How can you not get fired up watching that movie and watching a team bonding before your very eyes? Like it's just something that, you know, it resonates and to this day, it can still give you the tingles, give you the goosebumps and I mean, kudos to all those hockey players, too. With the exception, I think, the goalie, I think they were all amateur hockey players being asked to act. So They were. Yeah. Didn't Disney make it? A shout-out to D, who loves Disney. Shout-out. Absolutely. They did make that movie. It's a Disney movie. It's one of the few Disney movies that I can kind of get behind. But, you know, credit to those hockey players for legitimately acting. You know, granted, they were playing hockey players. It's not that much of a stretch. It's not like they were asked to be a, you know, they weren't weren't doing Shakespeare. But for you to try and convey this story and having no acting experience whatsoever, that's top notch, man. That's that's great. So kudos to them and kudos to Kurt Russell, one of my favorite actors of all time. So that's our orders from five to one. Who do you got? What's your number one? Hit us up at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your list and let us know where we screwed up. Hit us up on IG at Fade Route Podcast. Slide in those DMs and let us know. And if you're on Twitter, Fade Route DNZ, get at us. Hit us up. Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. And a big thank you to Chi Town Mike for filling in for D. Did an awesome job. How'd it feel, brother? Wow, that was awesome. Being a guest and jumping into guest host was awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I had so much fun. I do miss Dee's laugh, but uh, selfishly, I had a great time and loved hanging with you guys and answering the questions and having a little extra fun tonight. Oh, awesome, man. Well, we love to have you on. It's one of the benefits of being part of the in crowd. So hit us up on faderoutemail at gmail.com if you want to be featured on the show. You may end up being a guest guest host on this show. But check us out every Wednesday on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey. If it's a major podcast platform, you will find the Fade Route with D&Z there. Until next time, stay faded, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars, leave us a review, turn on subscription notifications, and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.